collectively we're fed up with the neglect this region has experienced for decades. Surrey silent no more. Doctors rally for better care services amid what they're calling decades of underfunding plus. This is really the cultural heart of the Chinese community. Coming back to Chinatown, the festival celebrating the resilience and richness of the longtime neighborhood. And then. This is like their first stop before they go to work. Supporting your local corner stores, how the city of Vancouver is hoping to better serve communities and why they need your help. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. One day after Health Minister Adrian Dix said the province was improving health care in Surrey, complete with a visit to Surrey Memorial Hospital, hundreds gathered in front of City Hall with a message to the province. Residents and health care staff say they need more services at Surrey Memorial Hospital and STAT. Julia Foy now on what's raising everyone's blood pressure. Wake up, pay attention, we're going nowhere and we'll hold you accountable. A sea of yellow t-shirts and colored posters dotted the crowd as Dr. Randeep Gill, an ER physician at Surrey Memorial, spoke about hospitals south of the Fraser being on life support. We have the highest incidence of heart attacks, strokes and kidney failure due to high blood pressure, diabetes and our genetics. Yet we do not have those life-saving treatments south of the Fraser. And I'm not just talking about Surrey. Surrey heart attack patients don't have access to a cardiac catheter lab. They must be transferred to Royal Columbian Hospital. In 2021, 42-year-old Dr. Andy Jessel collapsed outside Surrey Memorial where he worked. While suffering from a cardiac event, an emergency that requires immediate attention and treatment, he had to wait to be picked up by an ambulance cross a bridge and travel to Royal Columbian Hospital. Sadly, Dr. Jessel died en route. Now, two new cardiac catheter labs are on a list of several goals promised by the BC Ministry of Health. We've made, I think, uh, significant progress uh, here working together, but there's a lot always, and there is a lot more work to do. Some of the crowd at Saturday's rally weren't impressed with Dix's promises. I'm a Surrey resident and I believe that Surrey has been left behind. They promised twice now in two elections. We'll build a hospital, we'll build a hospital. Well, where's the money? As for Gill, he also wants the government to show them the money. For decades, annually, we receive hundreds of millions of dollars less than Vancouver. Yet our population has grown exponentially and our people are sicker. Julia Foy, Global News. There has been a massive effort to revitalize Vancouver's Chinatown to save it from falling into disrepair. Today, thousands visited the iconic neighborhood to experience everything it has to offer during the first day of the Light Up Chinatown Festival. Cassidy Mosconi reports. It persevered through the dark times. Three big hits. You know, the toxic drug crisis, the housing crisis, and then the pandemic. But now it's time to light it up. Come to Chinatown and celebrate. The third annual Light Up Chinatown, a two-day festival celebrating the community's resilience, rich history and unique culture. I think that, you know, for a long time people just kind of gave up on it and thought that there was 
it was an impossible task, but I always knew that there was a, a tremendous amount of love and affection for this neighborhood. Pulsing through the veins of a revitalized Chinatown, people, performance and food. Legacy businesses that have been here for years are teaming up with the new. They're creating the weird, the wonderful and the delicious like these. My family's business has been in Vancouver's Chinatown for 35 years. Um, we've gone through some great times and recently it's been a lot harder. To many of our legacy business owners, like Chinatown is our life. Um, this is what we live and breathe every single day. Um, whether it goes up or down, we're, we're here for the long run. Giving hope through community support to ensure the heart of Chinatown continues to beat. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. And it's been one year since Fire tore through legacy Chinatown restaurant Gain Wall, gutting the popular eatery and displacing more than 30 residents living above it. Do dozens of people gathered outside the Kiefer Street shopfront today, raising money. Gain Wall was a culturally appropriate, affordable food hub that was serving the community really for the last 40 years. So there's a huge interest from the community to see the Kiefer Rooms reopen as affordable housing and as well to see Genghua, the restaurant, reopen as an affordable food hub. No date has been set yet for a potential reopening of the store. Dozens of people turning out to protest a proposed redevelopment in Delta. Demonstrators getting honks of support as they held signs speaking up against plans for the Shoppers Mall site on 120th Street near 80th Avenue. The proposed development includes four buildings ranging from 6 to 32 stories in height and nearly 900 residential units. Demonstrators say the project is too high and that they're not saying no to density. They're calling for reduced density. They also worry about the stress more people puts on local hospitals and recreational centers. Residents say they want public hearings on big projects. This is the largest project ever to be in North Delta. Has a very big impact on everyone here. Now we started emailing them in January, asking them to please consider a public hearing. Let the voice of the people be heard. In a statement, the City of Delta says it's committed to undertaking thorough public consultation on this project and other projects that impact the community. The City also claims its process has included a number of in-person and online opportunities for the public to provide comments. Two people are in hospital after a serious crash in East Vancouver. Police say it happened around 10.30 this morning at East Hastings Street and Victoria Drive. The collision involved a motorcycle and Tesla sedan. According to Vancouver Police, two people were on the motorcycle at the time of the incident, and both of them, a man and a woman, have been taken to hospital in serious condition. The cause of the crash is under investigation. 2023 has been a destructive season for wildfires in B.C. So far, with tens of thousands of evacuees forced from their homes, many have returned to their property and are now navigating the challenges of what that may look like. Victoria Famia with more on what people need to know when they return. If you're returning home from being evacuated, your house might not look or smell the same way it did when you left. But if you're as prepared as West Kelowna resident Marilee Hall, you might get lucky. 
coming back, we we were pretty prepared, so we had emptied the fridge and and garbages, so there was no you know moldy stuff to come back to in the fridge and and uh, no like our street. And no, no smoke smell in the house. Some some people had smoke smells. But if you find yourself on the unprepared side, there are some things to be mindful of. When you return home, it's likely you'll encounter a lot of garbage and especially old food. So residents are reminded to discard any items that have been exposed to smoke, heat, ash, or even water. The power was off for a considerable amount of time. Do not open your fridge or freezer. It is going to be wicked. So we're, we're advising them to tape off the fridges and, and freezers right on the on the front of it on a piece of tape contaminated and then uh, don't open it inside. It, it's it's a wicked smell. If you're someone who's returning to a home that was destroyed, there are support services like the Resiliency Center in West Kelowna and the Shoe Swamp to help get through it. We're probably seeing a lot more people than we expect to see a lot more people. Once people get released out of order, they then return home and then they can see what they're dealing with. Once they try to process that information, and then they need help, that's when we need to see them. We need them to come back and we're willing to help them. We'll have caseworkers available for them, uh, and that's at both locations. Water quality advisories could also come as a result of firefighting activity. Uh, do check with the uh, websites that are within your jurisdictions to get the proper instructions as to what to do with water. In order to protect properties, fire crews had to fire smart some homes, leaving things different than the way people left them. My parents live a couple blocks up and all their furniture was moved away from the house and their, you know, their garbages and anything that would catch fire and they pretty much moved away from the house. Victoria Famia, Global News. Kelowna RCMP are reminding boaters that while many parts of Okanagan Lake are no longer restricted, there is still one area that is off limits. Areas along Westside Road that are still under evacuation order are no-go zones. There have been several reports of boaters trying to access that area from the water. RCMP are patrolling the evacuated zones and will turn boaters around if they do approach them. A full circle moment for Burn Burnaby's own Christine Sinclair today. The Canadian women's soccer captain was on hand at the community centre named after her, formerly known as Fortius. The Olympic champion started playing soccer in Burnaby at the age of four. She says the love she feels from her hometown all these years later means a lot. Like I grew up playing on the national team, training in this building, tr literally playing high school soccer on the fields attached um, to this facility. And to see my name on the building is kind of, um, I'm still not used to it. But uh, yeah, to just have a place within the community, within the city of Burnaby, where people can come um, means a lot. And then I just ran into a bunch of my family that are here. They surprised me. Um, so to be able to share this moment with them is very special. After the ceremony, Sinclair stuck around to meet the next generation of Burnaby soccer players and sign autographs.
thousands of cyclists headed up to the Sea to Sky in the annual Grand Fondo cycling event today. Cyclists began their journey dark and early this morning in Stanley Park. The 122-kilometer ride takes them on a scenic journey up the Sea to Sky Highway to Whistler. Riders complained last year about a lack of food and water available at aid stations. And organizers say they've heard them loud and clear, making a number of changes. Our singular focus this year is all about the athlete experience from race package pickup at the convention center through their ride today and their, uh, the celebration at Whistler. So it's really how we, we, we worked so hard to make sure all our supports went directly to the athletes themselves. Cyclists from more than 40 countries are in attendance at this year's Grand Fondo. And more than 700 trail runners are out in Langford this weekend participating in the Finlayson Arm Series. The 50-mile or 80-kilometer competitors started before the sun rose this morning. The race starts at Goldstream Provincial Park and runs up and down the mountains alongside Finlayson Arm. The 50-mile winner was Tommy Malazgar from Nanaimo, finishing it up in just under 10 hours. Sanishton's Tyler Darcy took the 50K title in just under six hours. Obviously beautiful weather here in Victoria, BC uh, this year, uh, really excited. We had a uh, marriage proposal at the finish lines and uh, it's been a, just a wonderful weekend here. The fun's still not over. Tomorrow more runners will tow the line for the 20K distance. Well, after the break, uncharted territory in Canadian waters. It will be one of the first uh, research projects of its kind. The underwater exploration looking to tackle climate change plus. Finally returning home, the hundreds anxious to get back to the Northwest Territories after fire forced them out. A University of Victoria-born initiative is the first of its kind in Canadian waters. Technology used in the deep sea observatory will work to remove carbon dioxide using buoys made of wood, fungi and kelp. Paul Johnson explains. Watch as a mysterious-looking deep-sea creature glides by a research platform installed by scientists off the coast of B.C. Shooting video 1,300 meters below the surface turns up some interesting things. But researchers hope it can give them some clues about a new method to potentially fight climate change. Specifically, carbon dioxide removal from the atmosphere and storing it in the ocean uh, in a durable and safe way. Cohen Bauer is a researcher with UVic-based Ocean Networks Canada. They're trying to find out what happens when so-called carbon buoys seeded with seaweed and algae sink to the ocean floor. It's a new concept dreamed up by an American company. As these buoys float on the surface ocean, the algae that they've been seeded with grows photosynthesis, creates biomass, and after months at sea, uh, these buoys, uh, complete with biomass, will then sink to the seafloor, taking with it uh, the sequestered carbon. Ocean Networks is using its benthic lander to see what happens to those carbon buoys. Do they work as advertised? And what would be the effect of millions of them falling into the extreme deep? All unknowns. But theoretically, the method could be transformative for the climate. You know, we're talking potentially gigatons 
of, of CO2 that could be sequestered from the atmosphere and stored in the ocean's interior or on the seafloor, um, essentially locking it away from the atmosphere on, on human timescales. The research project is set to run for the next year. Paul Johnson, Global News. Still to come, thousands dead after a powerful quake strikes Morocco. The widespread devastation and the race against time to find survivors in the rubble. Plus, shining a spotlight on the struggles of addiction. The special day marking one's recovery journey and the long road ahead for others still fighting. More than 2,000 people have been killed by a powerful earthquake that struck Morocco on Friday night. In addition, more than 1,000 others are in hospital with serious injuries or remain missing. Karen Lieberman has more on the rescue and recovery missions. Rescue workers comb through the rubble in a race against the clock as they struggle to reach the hardest hit most remote areas of Morocco. A powerful earthquake destroyed buildings and crumpled homes across much of the country. We were harmed in the old city. We were harmed by the earthquake, said this local resident. Everything is God's will, but we sustain great harm. With widespread destruction in ancient cities and mountain villages, the military and emergency services are scrambling to find survivors who could be trapped under piles of debris. It was going backwards and forwards and everything started moving and pictures started moving and so we've every, we just grabbed our, grabbed some clothes and our bags and we raced out. Canadians in Morocco are urged to register with Global Affairs Canada and in Toronto disaster relief charity Global Medic is already sending urgently needed aid. We've offered to deploy a drone team that would be civilian operators, pilots, small drones support search and rescue activities. Second, we've offered family emergency kits, which you can see the volunteers behind me are packing and making right now. Saving lives is the priority, with many still feared to be trapped under the rubble. But preserving Marrakesh is also meaningful for teams on the ground. It's home to a number of UNESCO World Heritage Sites, including the famous red walls, partially damaged. There are parts of town which are destroyed. That car is completely destroyed and the buildings are falling down. Bonavista, Newfoundland Mayor John Norman was attending a UNESCO conference and had just arrived back from the city's historic Medina when the shaking began. The hotel ceiling is cracking, the light fixtures were falling from the ceiling, sirens, ambulances, uh, bodies being removed. Uh, it's it's quite something. It was really, really scary. Montreal and City when... Councillor Serge Sassville on holiday in Morocco felt the ground shake. We knew it was a big earthquake, but we had no idea that uh, there would be so many uh, dead and uh, wounded, wounded uh, people because of, of that. We could see that very old buildings, some had been uh, very damaged. Fearing aftershocks, people will spend another night in the streets as the North African nation begins one of the biggest recovery efforts in its history. Karen Lieberman, Global News. News of Morocco's earthquake hitting Montreal especially hard. It's where Canada's largest population of Moroccans live. Shock, sadness and disbelief have taken over the community. Gloria Henriquez has, has reaction from the diaspora. 
At this Moroccan cafe in Montreal, Saturday mornings are for soccer. But news of the tragic earthquake back home is all these Montrealers can think about. It's a black Saturday, says Musli Yassin. The first thing he did when he heard about the earthquake was call his family in Casablanca. They were shocked and surprised, he said. They slept on the streets, fearing an afterquake. Adil Boumaiz, originally from Rabat, says he stayed up all night watching the news. There's a feeling of helplessness being so far, he says. The earthquake shook Marrakesh, where Montreal City Councillor Serge Sacheville was vacationing. And I thought that uh, someone was taking a carpet under my feet because the, 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 it was like there was no ground under my feet. It was really, really scary. With such a large Moroccan population, local politicians took to social media to react to the news. Montreal Mayor Valérie Plante saying in part, the images from Morocco break our hearts. My thoughts are with the Montreal community of Moroccan origin. Quebec Premier François Legault echoing her thoughts, adding that he's visited several magnificent cities in the country. At this Moroccan butcher shop located in an area of Montreal called Little Maghreb, Kantari Youssef says the local Arabic community at large is banding together to get through the tragedy. We will soon start collecting donations, he said. Back at Amistad Café, as Yassim sees the death toll mount by the hour. He says he's hoping the nightmare and soon. Gloria Enriquez, Global News, Montreal. Meanwhile, people are headed home to Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. This was the scene this morning at Calgary International Airport as hundreds of people boarded flights home. They have been away for weeks and are anxious to get back. One young girl Global News spoke with says she's happy to be seeing her friends again. It's been like a for me, so it's sort of fun. But I'm also excited to go home, see my friends. Yeah. Were you, what did you miss about home? Uh, mostly my friends, like, I don't know, just being there in my bed. 20,000 people were forced to leave Yellowknife. Most of them were evacuated to Alberta. Thousands of people descending on New Westminster to mark Recovery Day. Several bands, including 80s rockers Glass Tiger, were on hand for the festival. This is billed as North America's largest addiction and mental health recovery event. There were also information booths, vendors and a kids zone, along with food trucks, shutting down a portion of 6th Street. Organizers say the event is so important because it brings people together. If you think about recovery, recovery has still a lot of shame and stigma. We want people to come out and celebrate. And as, as people who are working in the field, not only that, but also the general public, to empower and encourage people to walk the path of recovery. Organizers had been expecting record crowds this year after 50,000 people attended last year's festival. With school back in session, many kids may feel anxious getting back into the routine. Counselors say children's anxiety can stem from multiple factors, including new beginnings and fears of establishing and retaining friendships. 
to reduce and combat uneasy feelings. Parents can openly communicate with their children and acknowledge their child's feelings. Having that quality time with your kids when you have the time, right? Because we all have the responsibilities as parents that pull us in different directions. Um, but really being present with your kids in the moments that you're with them, um, communicating with them. So I always, I always emphasize communication. Always check in about their day, ask them how they're feeling, um, and have that open door policy of, you know, if you're having good thoughts, bad thoughts, good feelings, bad feelings, you can always come talk to me. Parents can also reach out to school counselors and teachers for additional resources to support their children. Still ahead, Girl Guide cookies have returned and they've got a new feature. How they're adapting to the times and where you can get your hands on them. Stay with us. 10 years of headlines, 10 years of stories, 10 years of being there when BC needs us most. 10 years of around-the-clock breaking news. 10 years of BC One. Multiple wildfires on Vancouver Island have led to smoky skies multiple calls to the fire department. The main culprit of the smoke is the Mount Conreed wildfire in Strathcona Provincial Park. That fire has been burning since the August long weekend and has grown to more than 2,300 hectares. Oyster River Fire Captain Ron Schull says dispatchers have received concerned calls about the smoke from Courtney, Comox and up to Campbell River with people believing there is fire elsewhere. We're just asking people that if they do believe that it is a serious amount of smoke that they look for a column. Um, if they really want to know where it's all coming from, they can go online and look for a fire smoke forecast and that will give them a better indication of where it is. The Mount Conreed wildfire is believed to be caused by lightning and it is being monitored by BC Wildfire and BC Parks, but currently no fire crews are fighting it. And time now to check in with meteorologist Yvonne Shell. Yvonne, clear skies here in Metro Vancouver, but not elsewhere, hey? Yeah, we still have the Smoky Skies Bulletin, so that was impacting a few spots across the island, but we're also still seeing it for Bulkley Valley and the Lakes region. Areas in towards the Shushwap and the Central Okanagan have also still seen the Smoky Skies Bulletin, and that remains in effect over the next 24 hours. Here's a shot of what it looked like in Penticton, just showing the smoke rolling across the region there. We have continued to track it for most areas in towards the Okanagan, but it's really the central half extending down in towards Penticton, and we're hoping to see it dissipate. However, temperatures are still going to remain warm in the coming days and that'll be a big concern and we've got no significant precipitation. Now, here's what we're anticipating on the smoke forecast as well. We can see that right across the island, areas in towards the interior and the northeastern corners of the province, although we don't have the smoky skies bulletin in effect, we're still actually seeing some local to potentially widespread smoke across that region. Also looking outside this evening from our tower can, overlooking uh, Stanley Park, we're currently sitting at 20 21 degrees. We've got a lighter breeze, but the winds are actually going to start to pick up as we get in through the day tomorrow, and we are going to see a bit more cloud cover in the mix. So the plan, if you are making plans for your Sunday, an increase in cloud cover as early as the morning hours, but temperatures will still be warming up. 20 away from the water will be up to 25 degrees. Factor in the humid X, it's going to feel like 28. Still remaining dry, but a mainly cloudy sky will take us in towards the evening and then overnight and in towards our Monday, we've got a slight chance for an isolated shower. Now, along the northern half of the 
the province. We've got a weather maker that is going to move in. Now, through the afternoon tomorrow across the island, we've got the potential for some showers popping up as early as the afternoon. And then by the evening hours, most of the north and central coast will be impacted by that system. And we'll be tracking periods of rain. It is going to be a soggy one leading in towards our Monday. Smoke for the northeastern corners of the province. Most areas across the central half up to 24 degrees. Central Okanagan with the smoke and temperatures still warming up to 29 Along the south coast, it's the island, the northern and central regions with that shower activity moving in through the afternoon. Increase in cloud cover for all areas across the lower mainland, away from the water. We'll still see those temperatures up to 25, Humidex 28. For Monday, we've got a few isolated showers. It'll be spotty and then Tuesday, Wednesday, quite pleasant into early next week. Highs into the low 20s. Krista? Looks good. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, the much-anticipated Girl Guide cookie sales are making their annual comeback today. Mint cookies will be sold in several communities this fall, including at grocery stores and through door-to-door -door sales. More than 300,000 boxes of cookies are stocked in the Delta warehouse ready to be sold. Girl Guides say the sale of cookies helps them build their confidence and lifelong skills. Girls get to build through Girl Guides confidence, skills, friendships, and so much more. And they can only do that with the support of Girl Guide cookie sales. Selling cookies also helps girls build really valuable skills, confidence, and other abilities related to goal setting, to fundraising that really empower them for the rest of their lives. And new this year, cashless sales at select locations. <laughs> and you and, can tap, right? And we our photographer, Pat Belroth, is in. Wow. And Yvonne, you know a little bit more about this than the rest of us, don't you? I, I was in the Girl Guys when I was, when I was That's younger. That's not surprising. No, and, and it was door to door back then, right? And it was cash, right? And then yeah. people saying, hey, do you want change? Like, you know, change, or if right. not, they would just have to take the whole box. Did and... anyone ever say no? You can't say no to Yvonne. I have to say, they say it builds confidence. It's a bit of a false confidence because no one in their right mind can say no to a girl. Guide no. selling them cookies. So, That's cruel. No, it's okay. Right. So right now it's the mint. <laughs> the mint flavor. Right? And yes. then in a different season it goes back to the chocolate. You they know kinda, all about they, it. They, they, they change it up. So right now if you're the mint fan, this is it. This if is not, good. you should still tap it. Yvonne will clarify your cookie question. Yes, you bet. That one box is not going to be enough though for <laughs> no, this newsroom. Got to buy Pat it. Pat brought a few yeah, in though. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> athletes might need this, hey? I would say yes. All the top athletes. <laughs> they know their nutrition. Girl Guide cookies uh, are at the top. But uh, we're going to talk a bit of Man Cup, the lacrosse championship at New Westminster. The Salmon Bellies trying to uh, relive all glory. So we'll show you highlights from uh, game one of that coming up. And we featured Connor Bedard yesterday. We had so much we thought we'd add a little bit more. Of course, he's got like one of the best shots in hockey. So what stick is he using? <laughs> he's got a new one and I think when it, the word gets out, all the kids will want to use it. So we'll hear from Connor when we come back as well. Looking forward to that for okay. sure. All right. Okay. So you know, and you're I'm alone sure in your car. Yeah, I think he does. <laughs> but do you ever feel like someone's watching you? Well, new research suggests you're not truly alone in your vehicle. Who's watching and the data they're collecting? Stay with us. Apple has issued a critical security update to help users avoid having their iPhones hacked and infected with spyware. Experts say hackers will send an iMessage to iPhone users, which contains a maliciously crafted, crafted image in it. This image will trick the phone's software to go into buffer overflow mode. If hackers are successful, everything on an iPhone will be transmitted to them. Imagine you have a letterbox, you know, that can hold 10 letters, like a mailbox, and somebody tries to stuff 20 or 30 letters into it. It can burst open and letters can all spill out. 
In computer terms, it's like somebody tries to put too much data into a limited space, and this spillover can cause unexpected behavior or even give an attacker a way to sneak onto a system. And that's essentially what a buffer overflow is. Experts suggest updating your iPhone immediately or use lockdown mode to avoid any security issues. Well, driving alone can lead to loud singing or talking to yourself. But have you ever felt like you were being watched? New research now showing newer vehicles are listening, watching, and even weighing us. And that information is being sold. Sarah Comedina explains. When you're alone in your car, many of us feel like no one is watching. Full on singing, like Adele. I sing along to a lot of songs. Grab pens or pencils and like pretend like I'm drumming <laughs> if it's like dead traffic. But what if someone or something was? If I'm in the car with someone, we'll be talking about stuff and it's like it's not something I want other people to listen to. Research done by a team at Mozilla called Privacy Not Included shows all 25 car companies they looked at collect more personal data than necessary. They know where we're driving, when we're driving, um, you know, some of the privacy policies we read talked about sex life and sexual activity and genetic information. 84% say they can share your personal data with other businesses. 76% say they can sell it. And 56% say they will share personal information to the government or law enforcement in response to a request. Their mentality is, who cares about privacy? This data is a goldmine for us. Let's collect everything we can and make as much money off of it. It's nice that's being brought to light. Mechanic Mike Bauman stresses, as technology advances, it's only going to get worse without rules being put in place. The complexity of electronics going into vehicles nowadays, they are getting more and more convoluted and they're getting more and more data. So data is money. The Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association says each member complies with Canadian federal and provincial privacy laws. But this privacy expert says it's not exactly clear for consumers. It could be as benign as um, just using it for internal analytics um, to improve the your experience in the vehicle, or it could be um, used and sold. But for some, paying that price for convenience is the only answer. It's kind of that weighing the costs and benefits for me. It is frustrating, though. Sarah Comedina, Global News. Coming up, Barry DeLay has your sports roundup, including the chase for the coveted Lacrosse Man Cup. Plus, how North Vancouver's Connor Bedard is preparing with that hockey stick, with training camp just weeks away. Stay with us. Join the second annual Stalu Powwow. All are welcome to attend the powwow and share in the experience of learning the important role tradition plays and how these traditions define Indigenous culture. Be there when rivals become teammates at the Labour Cup. Don't miss your chance to see six of the best men's tennis players from Europe take on six of their counterparts from the rest of the world over three days of intense team competition. Tickets at LaborCup.com. For Our BC, I'm Yvonne Shell. In partnership with Labor Cup, it's tennis like you've never seen it before. September 22nd through the 24th at Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Details at LaborCup.com. Barry DeLay is in now. Barry, we're talking lacrosse and a big cup uh, mm -hmm. with a taking. Yeah, well, I tell you what, there's uh, no better atmosphere <laughs> than Queen's Park in New Westminster for lacrosse. If you've never seen lacrosse live, 
that's the place you got to go, but you got to get a ticket, and I heard it's hard to get one. <laughs> Thanks, Krista. The Man Cup is the, the most treasured trophy in lacrosse, and it's won the new Westminster Salmon Bellies have won more than any other team in Canada. 24 Man Cups over their great history, which is over 100 years, but they are 0 for 7 in their last seven trips to the finals. They are trying to change that this week at Venerable Queen's Park Arena, where they are hosting the Ontario champion Six Nations Chiefs. Game one was last night. Another great atmosphere at Queen's Park as the Bellies hope to win for the first time since 1991. Six Nations has a, sa a stacked squad. Randy Stotts with a brilliant goal here. They jumped out to a 4-0 lead in the first period. Belly's strong start to the third period, though. Keegan Ball behind the back to Hayden Dixon. And then Ryan Martell running the floor. He scores. And then Mitch Jones will feed uh, Kevin Crowley for a beauty. And the Bellies were within a couple, but... It wasn't enough in the end. Six Nations is a really good squad. They uh, ended up winning this 10-7 game two tonight, 7.30 at Queens Park. Baseball today, the Jays hosting Kansas City. Worst record in baseball, so you got to take advantage of those bad teams. Fourth inning, George Springer going to left. A solo shot off Zach Grinke, 1-0 Toronto. Springer's really been hitting the ball well the past six weeks. And seventh inning. Springer does it again. This time he goes to right field. He also had a two-run single today. Two home runs, four RBI for Springer. He's a big-game performer, 5-1 Jays. Here's an amazing defensive play from the Royals. Second baseman Michael Massey with the play flips it to Bobby Witt with his glove, who then makes the play at first. They've practiced that a few times. Apparently, they've made that play a few times, but that is incredible. But Kevin Gosman, too good on the mound. Eight innings, ten strikeouts for his 11th win. Jays win 5-1 and lead the Texas Rangers by two full games for the last AL wildcard spot. Meanwhile... Mariners in Tampa Bay. Seattle, a game up on the Jays for the second wild card. Julio Rodriguez, towering fly ball in the indoor Tropicana field, and it hits the catwalk at the top of the stadium by ground rule. That's a home run. 29th for Julio, 4-1 Seattle. But the Rays came back and tied it and then won it with two out on this Yandy Diaz two-run homer off former Blue Jay Taylor Sosedo. Rays win 7-5, and now the Mariners and Jays are tied with 79-63 and 63 records tied for second in the AL wild card. CFL today, the Pancho Bowl from Winnipeg. Bombers and Riders, always a big party on the Prairies when these two teams play. Saskatchewan won last Sunday in overtime in Regina. The Bombers were in payback mode today. Zach Kalaros to Brady Oliveira to make it 14-3. Second quarter, Kalaros with lots of time, and he will sling it to Dalton Schoen for the 16-yard touchdown pass, 28 Six Winnipeg at that point, and they keep piling on. Kolaros will find Schoen for his third touchdown of the half. Kolaros, 319 yards passing, five touchdowns. Bombers blast the Riders 51 to 6. Winnipeg clinches a playoff spot. They're 10 and 3. They're four points up on the second place Lions, who have the bye this week. And going on right now, Stamps and Elks from Edmonton, Calgary, with a big rally to win Labor Day at home. But uh, Kevin Brown gets the Elks off on the right foot, a 45 yard gallop for the touchdown. 17 0 Edmonton, who've won two of their last three. Stamps do respond, though. They led 10 uh, 7 and add to the lead on this Jake Mayer to Reggie Begleton touchdown with just five seconds left in the half. 17-7 Calgary at that point, but it's a close ball game. 23-19 stamps late in the fourth. And one more on this triple header CFL Saturday. Argos 
having their way with absolutely everyone taking on Montreal. Chad Kelly uh, is a great quarterback, but also a dominant run game. A.J. Roulette had two touchdowns and 105 yards. Kelly also ran one in as the Argos breeze past the Alouettes 39-10. Toronto's 10-1. They've already clinched a playoff spot. It's hard to believe anyone will prevent them from going to the Grey Cup again. U.S. Open women's final from New York. American teenager Coco Goff against Arena Sabalenka of Belarus. Some fantastic rallies in this match. Opening set, Sabalenka with some punishing ground strokes, moving Goff from one side to another. Coco gets to everything, but finally, Sabalenka with the smash put away, and she looked real strong, won the first set six games to two, but the 19-year-old American battled back in the second set. She will uh, charge the short ball, and then she will put it away at net, and Coco takes the second set, 6-3. Goff raced out to a four-love lead in the third, wobbled a bit, but then uh, steadied the ship, and she got Arthur Ashe Stadium rocking with this forehand winner, breaks Sabalenka to go up 5-2, to two, and now to triple match point. And just another athletic display from both players. Goff will chase down the volley and rip the two-fisted winner. Coco Goff is the champion of the U.S. Open, her first career major. First of many, you would think. She accepts the trophy from the great Billie Jean King and $3 million first prize. Here's the champ. Thank you first to my parents. Uh, today was the first time I've ever seen my dad cry. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't want me to tell you all that. Honestly, thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Um, you know, I tried my best to carry this with grace, and I've been doing my best. So, honestly, those who thought who were putting water on my fire, you're really adding gas to it. And now I'm really burning so bright right now. She is sure well-spoken for 19 years old. Uh, Connor Bedard will make his NHL debut one month from tomorrow in Boston. He's only 18. And one thing you will notice is that he's got a new stick this year. He's now a Sherwood shooter. Sherwood winning the Bedard account sweepstakes after shelling out a fair amount of money, we assume. We uh, talked to Connor earlier this week. He was heavily involved in developing the kind of Sherwood stick he's now using. You know, kind of tried a bunch of stuff out this summer. And, um, you know, that's what felt good to me, I think. Kind of when I first tried, I felt, you know, maybe a little more kind of pop in my, in my shot and whatnot. And, you know, just felt really comfortable. So, um, you know, for me, it's whatever I feel like I can perform best in. And, you know, I really like the stick, really like kind of the people working there and, and um, you know, how good they are at, like I said, kind of making those small tweaks. So, um, you know, obviously made that decision and, uh, you know, it's exciting. A lot of kids are going to be running mm. to the store to buy that stick now. <laughs> sure will. Mm -hmm. right? no. <laughs> All right, thanks, Barry. Mm. Well, still ahead, we're talking convenience stores around the corner and how the city of Vancouver hopes to support them. Stay with us. Well, how often do you visit your neighborhood convenience store? For most of us, it's something we don't do as much as we used to. But the city of Vancouver now looking to change that and is asking for feedback to help shop owners recorner the local market. Here's Travis Prasad. Corner stores used to be a cornerstone of life in Vancouver. Modest markets on residential streets offering everyday essentials from groceries to clothes. Today, the local shops remain a cherished resource for many. Sure, you can buy milk and produce to fuel your body, but you can also refill your sense of belonging. 
has a real nice community aspect that brings the community together, together makes it closer. You know, instead of everyone kind of isolated and not knowing each other. The Federal Store is a popular choice for the people of Mount Pleasant to connect over coffee or a quick bite. Like the flowers offered inside, the grocer adds a pop of color to customers' lives. They walk a couple minutes and it's not like a, a chain or anything and so you feel good about spending money here. Um, everyone who works here is really happy and have made like a relationship with the customers as well. As convenient as they are, it's no secret corner stores are disappearing. There's now 88 of them in Vancouver, down from several hundred just a half century ago. Changing consumer habits, zoning restrictions and rising property taxes have killed off many of the neighbourhood haunts. It has been a tough period for, uh, for corner stores and for retailers uh, in general, we know that. Uh, and we know as well that there's things that the city can do through its policies and regulations. In 2021, the city made changes to zoning to protect existing corner stores. Now it wants to go further. Staff will be at six pop-up locations this weekend, asking residents what they think the future of corner stores should be. We are posing to folks, do you think we should stick with the same amount of corner stores we have now? Should we be looking to expand the opportunities for corner stores in neighbourhoods? Are there new types of shops and services that you'd like to see in neighbourhoods? Residents can also have their say through an online survey open till October 10th. The city's says feedback will inform policy changes that could take place as early as next year. For some, there's no question, corner stores need a comeback. This is our favorite here, and even Chimes is the neighborhood. So we have coffee here some days there. We just bought groceries, two places, to support the little businesses. Travis Prasad, Global News. Oh, the corner store. Mm. I was queen of the five-cent candy. Well, yeah, you guys were saying. <laughs> we're I go to buy flowers, cents. but if you guys want candy, the sure. Candy, yeah. 25 cents? 25 cents was for a sour key, yeah. so it just depended. But I don't know what it would be now, to be honest. Yeah. Different. I think it would be inflation, maybe a dollar. Oh, jeez. we got to head back there. we got to do lots of chores for that. <laughs> no I girl guide cookies there, unfortunately. No. We make a killing, though. It's got to go to the corner store. Uh, all right, thanks so much for watching. Have a good night. Good night.